to remain standing, if you would, take your Bibles, Luke chapter number 19. Luke chapter number 19. Of course, tomorrow being Christmas Day, it would be fitting to have a message uh, in regards to the coming of Christ. Luke chapter number 19, I think that many would be familiar with this verse, Luke chapter number 19. If uh, you've been in Sunday school or church any period of your life, you've probably heard the story about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. It would seem he was a tax collector, not completely honest. Imagine that. And the Lord visited him one day, and that day salvation came to that man, his heart, his home. At the end of that story, we read Luke 19 and verse 10. And so I'd like you to follow because I'm only going to read the first few words of verse number 10. Then we'll have a word of prayer, then we'll get into the message. Luke 19, look there in verse 10. For the Son of Man is come. That's what Christmas is all about. The fact that Jesus Christ, God's Son, here he's called the Son of Man, that the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth Let's have a word of prayer. Father, again, we're so thankful for each one that's here. Lord, we're especially blessed by having visitors here this morning. And I pray that they would feel comfortable, feel welcome. But Lord, again, we're so grateful for each one that's come. And Lord, we're aware that some of our people are out of town traveling. Other, others of ours still recovering some kind of cold or sickness. Help them. But Lord, we thank you that you're here. I pray that you'd challenge our hearts this morning. Help us from the word of God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, tomorrow is Christmas Day. And many years ago, uh, December 25th was set aside as the day that we recognize that Jesus came. Pastor, was it indeed December 25th that Jesus came? Probably not. Do you know a far better guess for when Jesus was born would have been in the fall, either September or October? You say, why would you say that? The Bible makes it pretty clear that our Lord walked on this earth 33 and a half years. Well, we know that he was crucified right around Easter time. And so if you back, and Easter's March, April, if you back up 33 and a half years from April, that would really put you in the fall. It would put you September, October. Having said that, we don't have the exact day in September, October either. So December 25th is as good of a day as any day. And since we don't know the exact day, we'll accept this day is okay. Do you know, far more important than what day Jesus came to the earth is why Jesus came to the earth. I think that uh, there's a lot of people that don't understand the why. Uh, most uh, wouldn't argue about the historical figure of Jesus Christ. They, they wouldn't argue with that. Too many secular history books uh, would tell us that there was a man named Jesus who walked this earth. Some think he came to be a prophet. Some think he came to be a miracle worker. Some think he came to overthrow the Roman government and uh, it, that's what we're going to look at this morning, why Jesus came to this earth. Look again at the opening words of Luke 19.10. The Bible says, for the Son of Man is come. 
So we're going to take for granted that the Bible is true when it says he's come. Now, if you looked at the way people celebrate Christmas today, uh, you might get the idea that Jesus came to promote department stores. You might think that, because they sure take advantage of Christmas. Uh, you might think that uh, Jesus came so we could get extra time off of school and off of work and get paid for it. You might get that idea of watching this world at Christmas. Uh, you might get the idea that Jesus came uh, so that there would be an excuse to give gifts to each other. You might get that idea. And really it's a strange thing that at Christmas everybody would give gifts to everybody else but the one who's having the birthday. That's kind of a strange, kind of an odd thing if you think about it. Uh, we that have children, if you told your children, guess what, next birthday of yours, we're going to do something different. Oh, like what? Well, we're going to invite all of your friends over, but they're not going to bring gifts for you. They're going to give gifts to each other. I don't think any of our children would be excited about that at all. And yet that's kind of what's done at Christmas. So, so I, I'm saying, why is it that Jesus came to the earth? The Bible makes it very clear, and, and the reason that Jesus came, uh, we're going to search it out this morning. And so if you're taking notes, I know some do, why Jesus came to this earth. We're going to start in this verse. Look there in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. The Bible says, for the Son of Man is come, and look at the rest of verse 10, to seek and to save that which was lost. Do you know the very first reason that Jesus came is to seek and to save the lost? Now, what we just read in verse number 10 isn't what somebody said about Jesus. This is what Jesus said about himself. Look there in verse number 9, and Jesus said unto him. So in verse 9, Jesus is speaking to Zacchaeus. Look there again in verse 9, and Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus did not come for most of the reasons that this world celebrates at Christmas time. Jesus came, the Bible says, to seek and to save that which was lost. Have you ever been lost? I know that sometimes we, we travel to a, a place that we've never been before, and some of us have GPS, whether it's on the dash or whether it's on your phone, and we have GPS, and it tells us how to get there, and so we type in where we want to go, and it has it all. How many times have you found yourself in a farmer's field, and you're thinking, where on earth did things go wrong? I'm lost. I remember one time my wife was going down to the States to Grand Forks, I think, to pick something up, and she typed into her GPS system to get there. Sure enough, she landed in a farmer's field, had no idea, and uh, so she went to the farmer's house, and she said, can you help me? I'm lost. He said, you must be. And so she began to explain, he said, you have no idea how many people GPS has brought to my farmer's field. He said, I, I feel like I'm important. Ever been lost. I, I remember when I was in grade eight, 
When I was in grade 8, uh, the grade 7 and 8 class, went to a public school, grade 7 and 8 class, we took a trip to the Balls Falls Conservative Park. And we were to take this trip, I think this little hike through there maybe was supposed to be five miles. 100 students went on this hike, and it took three buses to get 100 students and 10 teachers. They figured 10 could keep 100 controlled. And we began on this hike. It was all marked out, apparently. And you know, as the first hour passed, we, that 110 kind of spread out. We weren't at the front, we weren't at the back. We were right there in the middle. And there was about six or seven of us. And, and we stopped, and, and we could hear people at a distance forward and we could hear others a distance behind. So we were consoled in the fact that we weren't the last ones in this hike. Well, we got a brainstorm. We said, why don't we run as fast as we can to get ahead of those losers behind us, and we'll just catch up with the crowd in front. And so we all, seven of us, took off in a run and uh, ran down the path, crossed this creek, ran down another path, and then we decided, boy, we haven't caught up with them yet. And so we stopped again. We didn't hear anything. We didn't hear people ahead of us. We didn't hear anybody behind us. We were lost. And we looked at each other and thought, oh, now what are we going to do? Well, let's just keep following this path. We finally came out to a paved road. There was supposed to be a paved road on this hike followed this paved road a couple of miles, then took, sure enough, the entrance into this park. The three buses had already returned back to school. There was one teacher with a van that was there, furious, absolutely furious. You say, how do you know? He told us he was furious. So furious that, and that was a Friday, so furious that Monday morning when I went back to school, for some reason they thought I was the ringleader of the trouble. That teacher had taken a rope and made a noose out of it and had it sitting on my student's desk. And I said, why would you be up? We were lost, and we didn't even know that we were lost. Do you know the very first reason that Jesus Christ came? He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Isn't it true that the Bible says when you and I were born into this world, we were born as sinners. We were born without God and without hope. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So folks, when we were born into this world, we were sinners without God and without hope. The Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, Paul wrote this, and he was writing to Gentiles, but he said that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. And so that's our condition, but you know what? We didn't know it. We didn't know that we were lost. So just like all of us on that hike that day, all our only ambition was to get ahead of the crowd. We wanted to make sure we weren't like any of those losers behind us. We wanted to have the best. We wanted to have the most. 
That's what we were convinced that life was all about. And no doubt the first time that somebody either knocked on your door or spoke to you face to face and said, do you realize that you are lost and without God and without hope? We probably looked at them very strange because we thought that we were okay. I'm saying to you this morning, the very first reason that Jesus came to this earth is that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. The average person in this city is not against God. He's just living his own life like there is no God. The average person in our city is not an enemy of Jesus Christ. They just don't know that they need Jesus Christ. And so they're running around caring about the things of this world. And God up in heaven was looking for somebody that would look for God. But no one was looking for God. Listen to Psalm chapter 53, if you would, verse number 2. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. So God was looking for somebody that was seeking God. And yet the very next verse, Psalm 53 and verse 3, every one of them is gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So mankind wasn't seeking God. So what does God do? God decides, I'll seek men. And what a gracious God that that is. Folks, I'm saved today. I know that if I died today, I go to heaven. Now, I'm not looking to take that trip today, but I know that if I died today, that I would wake up in that place called heaven. But that is not to my credit, because as a young child, I was looking for God. I wasn't looking for God. I was like everyone else. I was just looking to get ahead of the rest of the pack. God was looking for me. That's why that verse says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, the very first time that God looked for somebody who was lost was Adam and Eve in the garden. And, and we won't turn to it for the sake of time. But in Genesis chapter 3, God made a perfect place, a garden. God put two perfect people in that place, Adam and Eve. God gave them just one rule, don't eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, and behold, the devil comes by and talks them into taking of that. You'll be so much better. You'll have so much more. And they took of that forbidden fruit and instantly something happened to them. They tried to cover themselves. They tried to hide their sin. When that didn't work, they hid themselves. They weren't looking for God. If they had just simply run out into that midst of that garden, called out for God and said, God, we're in big trouble. Would you help us? maybe Genesis 3 would have ended differently. They were not looking for God, but you know what? God began to look for them. God knew where they were. But God says, where art thou? That's God looking for men. I say the very first reason that Jesus came to this earth is he came to seek and to save 
the lost. I, 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 if you think about it, you say, oh, Pastor, there's hundreds of religions. Not really. I, I think you can melt down all of the churches, all of the religions, all of the isms into just two groups. The one group is sinners. We're all sinners, but the one group is sinners. But they think they're okay. They think they can handle it all on their own. So their religion, their faith, their, their church, their belief is just to make them look a little better. But they're really not convinced that they need God. Do you know other group is like you and me? When we heard we were sinners, it crushed us. And someone came by with the good news of the gospel. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And when we heard that gospel, we accepted what Jesus did for us. Pastor, why did Jesus come to the earth? The very first reason we're given in this text is to seek and to save the lost. One of our favorite hymns, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. Could I ask you this morning, are you saved? Is there a day where you recognize that you are a sinner before God, without God, without hope? And did you hear that Jesus came to fix that? He came looking for you. And that's why this Luke 19.10 is found on the end of the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, when he heard that Jesus was coming through his city, Zacchaeus was curious, but it was Jesus that looked upon Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus, uh, come down, I want to go to your house today. I'm saying the first reason that Jesus came is he came to seek and to save the lost. Could I give you a second reason? Take your Bible, if you would, and turn over there in Matthew chapter 5. So you're in Luke. The book before that is Mark. Before that is Matthew, Matthew chapter number 5. Aren't we glad that our Lord Jesus did come to seek and to save the lost? But could I suggest to you that that's not the only reason that Jesus came? If the only reason for Jesus coming to this earth was to die on the cross of Calvary, to pay for your sins and my sins, then why couldn't God have come up with a plan that Jesus showed up in Jerusalem on a Monday? And on a Wednesday, they arrested him. On a Thursday, they nailed him to a cross. Three days and three nights later, he rose from the dead and ascended back to heaven. Jesus could have accomplished all of Calvary in less than a week's time. So then why did Jesus walk this earth for 33 and a half years? It, Calvary could have been accomplished in so much shorter of a time. And the answer is because Jesus came for more than just to save our souls. Look there, if you would, in Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 17. Matthew 5 and verse 17. 
Think not that I am come. Notice there's the words again. He's going to tell us why he came. Why else he came? Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So the second reason that Jesus came, and that's why it required him to live a life on this earth before this world, is he came to fulfill. Say, preacher, what does that even mean? Fulfill what? Well, look at the very next verse, verse number 18. For verily I say unto you, to heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. You know, in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament, folks, is still part of our Bible. It's still part of the Bible. We still read it. In the Old Testament, someone has added up and found that there are 613 commandments that those Old Testament Jews were given to follow. And if they followed those things, their day-to-day -day life would be pleasing to God. So when Jesus came, he not only came to seek and to save that which was lost, but he came to show that you could live a life that is pleasing to God. If you're taking notes, would you write this down? The second reason that Jesus came to show us God's standard to live by. A lot of folks say, well, you know what, I'm saved. Now I can live any way I want because heaven is secure. Well, the truth is you could do that. But that wouldn't put a smile on God's face. And so when Jesus walked this earth, and the way that Jesus lived while he walked this earth, God the Father said, not just once, but two or three times, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So the second reason that Jesus came was to show us God's standard to live by. Jesus, when he walked this earth, he didn't live just a pretty good life. He lived a perfect life. He didn't fail. He didn't falter. He didn't sin. He didn't deviate at all from what God expected. And again, isn't it true if we talk to people about what kind of life they live? How many people say, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Well, hold on a minute. By what standard? By what standard could you possibly convinced, be convinced that you live a pretty good life? Folks, the standard is the word of God. Jesus lived his life for 33 and a half years to show us the standard by which we're to live. And so it's not, I live a pretty good life, I, I'm better than the next guy. The next guy is not the standard. Well, I'm better than my neighbors. I watch the kind of things they do, and I know I'm not that bad. Your neighbors are not the standard. And so the second reason that Jesus came to this earth is to show us God's standard to live by. Do you know, just as Jesus didn't come to show us there's many ways to heaven, there's only one. Jesus also didn't come to show us there's many ways to live on earth. He came to show us that there is but one. Jesus didn't come to show us a better way. He came to show us the only way. He didn't come to help make the broad path of life a little bit narrower. 
He came to show us that the path is so narrow, only he could do it. And you, if you follow the example that he gave, then you too can do it. How many times did our Lord say, and our Lord uh, uh, direct people in how to live? Without Jesus' substitutionary death, none of us could enter heaven. But you know, without Jesus' spotless life, none of us would know how to live day to day. There are some great people in the Bible. But aside from Jesus Christ, none of them were perfect. They think of Adam. You say, well, Adam, man, he lived a pretty good life. Yeah, but he disobeyed God, so he would be a poor standard to follow. You say, well, you know, what about Abraham? Abraham lied about his wife to save his own skin. So Abraham would not be a standard for us to follow. You say, well, preacher, well, what about Moses? Moses killed a man in his anger. And so Moses would not be the standard by which we measure our life. Oh, preacher, what about David? David committed adultery. Well, preacher, what about the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul, in spite of the fact that God said, don't go to Jerusalem, he said, I'm going anyway. Paul is just as stubborn as some of us are. I'm saying every other person in this Bible, as great as they were and as greatly as God may have used them, somewhere they all fell short but not Jesus. And when Jesus walked this earth, he set the standard by which you and I could live. Thank God for it. Say, preacher, you can't live a perfect life. If you follow Jesus Christ, he'll show the way. He'll show the path. Someone had said it this way, we can't live, this side of heaven, we can't live without sinning. But we sure should aim to. We sure should try to. We sure should pray to that end. Do you know the Bible says, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Look there, if you would uh, turn from Matthew, would turn in John chapter number 18. After Matthew's Mark, Mark, Luke, Luke, then John. John chapter 18. John chapter number 18. Now, I'm not trying to be nasty and hateful, but there are many leaders of religions today that if you were to look at the example that they lived in this life, you wouldn't want anything to do with them. Now, over time, people have forgotten the way that they lived. But some of them were wicked in their example. Folks, you and I call ourselves Christians, if you've trusted Christ. We call ourselves Christians, and we follow the example of Jesus Christ. Lived a perfect life. I say the second reason that our Lord came is he came to show us God's standard to live by. John chapter 18, there in verse number 37. John chapter 18, verse 37. The Bible says, Pilate therefore said unto him, unto Christ, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest I am a king, to this end was I born. Notice, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. 
Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Our Lord said, listen, when I came to the earth, I came to reveal what's true. I came to live the truth. And he said, you can take any ism, you can take any religion, you can take any person and set them beside me. Jesus said, I am the standard. I give you a third thing. I say, preacher, why did Jesus come to this earth? Look there, you're in John. Look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. So, so far, preacher, why did Jesus come to the earth to seek and to save that which is lost? But you know, after you're saved, his coming to the earth continues to help. Because the second reason he came was to show us God's standard to live by. I see a third reason, John chapter 15 and verse 22. Look what our Lord said, If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. Do you know there's a third reason that our Lord on this earth walked, and he walked on this earth Third, to single out sinners about their sin. To single out sinners about their sin. Now, again, it's Christmas time. Do you know how Jesus will be portrayed at Christmas time? He'll be betrayed as a little baby in a manger. And no one's intimidated with that. Uh, we've driven around and look at lights in town, and I'm amazed at some of the people that have manger scenes. Uh, knock on doors, talk to people all the time. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Some that have no time for Christ, and no, no time for the Bible, no time for church, no time for anything like that. They have a manger scene out front. There, there's something about G, little baby Jesus in a manger that's not intimidating. Because people can take it or lose it, or leave it. <laughs> the, the sign out front on the sign. Do you know when Joseph Mary came that night to the inn, there was no room in the inn. So to a baby, you could say, sorry, I don't have any room, or yeah, I can have, you really have a lot of control when Jesus is just a baby. Uh, when Jesus was just a baby, you could decide to give the very best of your gifts, the wise men, or you could decide to give no gift. You're in complete control when Jesus is just a little baby. Do you know when uh, Jesus is just a little baby, you can decide that you're going to worship him. Or like Herod, that you're going to try to kill him. When Jesus is just a baby, nobody's intimidated with that. But you go to the same people that have manger scenes in front of their house, in their house, and say, now, what do you think about the way Jesus lived and the reason that Jesus died? All of a sudden, Jesus, as an adult figure, takes on a completely different perspective. When our Lord began his public ministry, he began to preach against some of the things that people were doing. And it made some of those people furious. In fact, some of those religious leaders plotted to take his life. He said, Pastor, why did Jesus came? We've already seen that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. 
We've already seen that Jesus came to show us God's standard to live by. But the third reason he came was to single out sinners about their sins. You know, when, when we try to talk to people, you'll understand this. If you have children that are growing older, and, and you see something in their lives that you don't think should be in their lives, and you begin to talk to them and say, you know what, I, you, you probably need to work on, well, who are you? Well, I am your dad. <laughs> Maybe someone says, I am your mom. But you know what, when you and I try to help somebody get the victory over some vice, some habit, some sin in their life, human nature is just to like to throw that back, right back in your face. Well, you're no different than I. We knock on doors and, you know, if you've grown up in this town all your life, you knock on their door and tell them they need to get saved. And they remember what you were like 10 years ago, 20 years ago. They'll throw that right back in your face. Do you know they couldn't do that to Jesus Christ? Because he was perfect. He lived a perfect life. And so our Lord came to this earth, and as he began, as, an, as his ministry, he began to point out the sins that they were doing. They couldn't throw back in Jesus' face, well, what about you? Because they couldn't put their finger on anything that Jesus ever did that was wrong. I see the third reason, and that's exactly what he's saying in John chapter 15. Look again at verse 22. John 15, verse 22. I had, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. So as Jesus began to deal in the hearts of people, boy, now he's exposing people to people what they're doing. Now, folks, you know what? There are so many benefits to a church family. And if you don't have a church family, you could. But, you know, one of the benefits of having a church family is, is just the fellowship of God's people, just to be around people that want God, want the things of God. Oh, one, of the fel- one of the blessings of Christian people is when you're down and discouraged, there, there's someone that's praying for you, caring for you, pulling for you. And folks, we need that. But you know what else we need? We need Bible preaching and teaching. And, and, and sometimes preaching is, yes, boy, that really helped me. <laughs> sometimes preach, preaching is, say, Pastor, I don't like you. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a man, and it's funny, I, in this last year I bumped into him in this town. But way back when we were in the Elks Hall, so that's a long time ago, it's over 20 years ago. Uh, when we were in the Elks Hall, this young man, his name was, first name was Chris. Didn't come to church, so he relaxed. He would come one time every year. And it wasn't the same time. It, was, it wasn't like it was every Christmas or Mother's Day. Or, he would come one time every year. I didn't know he, he came until he came. And Chris, boy, you're alive. Yeah. I said, I'm so glad you came. And he said, you know, I like it here. I said, You'd like it even more if it came more than one time a year. But you know what? Every time after I preached, he came and he said, you won't see me for a while. (laughs) I said, why? He said, every time I come to this church, I feel horrible in there. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, it's like you look in my window and you know what I'm up to. I said, Chris, I don't even know where you live. 
I could. Do you know what? That's God. And that's God working through preaching. And that's God working through teaching. You can be convicted by the Spirit of God through a special song that's sung. God can even deal with your heart with a congregational song. God can deal with your heart when, when you know somebody else walking in the church and it seems that the burdens of the world are on their shoulders. Yet you watch them and they sing with all their heart. I'm saying God uses all kinds of things to point out areas in our life that we need God's help. Do you know why Jesus came? Jesus came, the Bible says here, for the third reason, he came to single out sinners about their sins. Now, I look back on my life, and I remember there's times where I heard preaching, teaching, and God just was all over me. And not in a good way. God was all over me saying, Carlson, this is your problem. And quite honestly, I didn't like it at the moment, but I look back on it and I think, thank God that helped me. Preacher, why did Jesus come? He came first to seek and to save the lost. Secondly, he came to show us God's standard to live by. Third, he came to single out sinners about their sins. Could I give you the fourth thing? Look there in Matthew chapter 9. So you're in John, before that's Luke, before that's Mark, before that's Matthew, Matthew chapter 9. Pastor, why else did Jesus come? Matthew chapter number 9, look there in verse 12, Matthew 9 and verse 12. Matthew 9, verse number 12. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. Look at verse 13. But go ye and learn what they meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but, here's why he came, sinners to repentance. If you're taking notes, the fourth reason that Jesus came was to specify the solution. To specify a solution. So if he came to seek and to save the lost, that's a good thing. If you're saved, thank God that he came. If you're not saved, you could be saved. Our Lord came, and he, he came to set the standard for us to live by. Our Lord came to point out, even in a Christian's life, some things that have to go, some sins. But he also came to give us the solution. How do we fix this? Okay, Pastor, I, I, I'm convicted about, and you fill in the blank for you. Preacher, I'm convicted in my life that I, because I haven't been, I, I haven't been treating my wife right, I haven't been reading the Bible, I, I haven't been honest with those I owe money to. I, preacher, God's convicted my heart. Well, that, that's one of the reasons Jesus came. But now we see here again in Matthew chapter number 9 and verse 12. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. End of verse 13. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Pastor, I feel awful in here because God's pointed out something that I shouldn't be doing. He gave the answer. He told them what the answer was, and the answer was repentance. He said, Preacher, what is this business of repentance? 
Repentance is recognizing that I'm wrong. My thinking is wrong. My actions are wrong. Lord, I need you to fix them. I'm sorry. That's the solution. In in a week and a day, we're going to have New Year's. How many people will make New Year's resolutions? I'll try to do better. Yesterday on the way to church in the morning, I saw a young man with a mask this high running. He was jogging. And I kind of chuckled because he was jogging and not me. That's why I chuckled. Uh, But I kind of chuckled and I thought, wait, you're supposed to wait eight more days because how many will make New Year's resolutions? I'm going to get more exercise. Well, you know, I'm going to say this and I'm going to regret for saying it. If you're trying to chisel off a couple of ounces or pounds, it it takes more than exercise. It takes more than adding something to it. Something has to be taken away. Probably, and this is the wrong time of year to talk about, you know, cut back on what you eat. Me included. Uh, repentance is, is recognizing I'm thinking wrong. I'm acting wrong. Lord, I'm sorry. I, I, I need to fix this. That's repentance. And that's why Jesus came. Well, if you're just trying to add one more thing to your already busy life and still not seeing any victory, then maybe there's something that's present in your daily life that needs to go. And you need to recognize that that's what's holding you back. Preacher, are you sure that repentance is even something that we do today? Apostle Paul says, In the times of ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. I give you the last one this. I'm done. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We, we began with this question Why did Jesus come to this earth? Why? Why did he come? Did he just come for a manger scene? The politicians got a photo op. Is that why Jesus came? Did Jesus just come so we could get a few days off, maybe even with pay? Did Jesus just come so, you know, we could buy gifts for each other? Those questions are kind of redundant because, no, that's not why he came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to show us God's standard to live by. He came to single out sinners about their sins. He came to specify the solution. And that's repenting. Last thing is John chapter 10 and verse number 10. Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Here's Jesus. I am come. Why, Lord? Why'd you come? I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Our Lord didn't just come to save you from hell, though that in itself is more than any of us deserve. Our Lord didn't just come to point out how we ought to live after we got saved. Our Lord didn't just come come so that he could point out our sins. He didn't just come so he could say the answers to repent. Do you know our Lord came and it says there at the end of verse 10, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You know, God came to give us abundant life.
Some people think, well, I'll add Jesus. I will add Jesus to my already busy life. You don't have a life if you don't have Jesus. You have an existence. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. If you ask this world, what makes for a happy life? They would probably begin to list you things that they think you need. For some, they would say people. For some, they would say achievements. Do you know Jesus said, without me, you don't even have life. Say, preacher, I know a lot of Christians. I know a lot of people that are saved. Their lives don't seem to be much different than anyone else in the world. I would agree with that. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is to not only give you life, but abundant life. A happy life. A joyous life. Well, how do you get that? We don't turn to John 13, 17. Jesus said, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. God offers not only eternal life, but abundant life. Do you have that? Say, preacher, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. Then you don't even have life. Life only comes by trusting Christ's payment for your sins. But you can be saved and not yet enjoy abundant life. That abundant life comes by getting to know him who saved your soul. Surrendering your plans to his plans. Doing what he wants and continuing in your walk with him. I read this cute little story. It might just be a story, but it's fitting as I close there was a young boy, 10, 12 years old, lived out in the countryside. And one day as he went into town, he saw a little sign that was plastered to a wall. He talked about a circus was coming. He'd never seen a circus, never been to a circus. Didn't really know what a circus was. All that he heard from his friends is that's the greatest place if you ever get to see a circus. Well, he went home to his dad and said to his dad, I'd really like to go and see the circus. And his dad said, son, you know, we don't have a lot of money that we can spend on frivolous things. He said, dad, I know. And I'd be willing to do twice as many chores. Dad, I'd really, really like to go to the circus. He'd never been to one. And so, you know, the dad said, I'll tell you what. You do all your chores this week. I'll give you a few extra ones. If you've done them by Saturday morning, Early, I'll give you the money to go to the circus. Oh, that boy is so excited. All week long, worked so hard. Saturday morning, got up extra early to finish chores. Went to his dad and said, Dad, I've finished everything that you've asked me to do. His dad pulls out of his pocket a dollar. Now, we don't know what a dollar is anymore, but he pulled a dollar. That's what it costs to go to the circus. He said, okay, son, but be careful with this. Don't lose this. That son put that dollar in his pocket. 
he hardly touched the ground as he ran into town and that main street and, and, and there were crowds of people already and, and he worked his way to the front of that crowd and he saw the circus parade coming into town. And he saw the lions as they roared and he saw the monkeys as they squealed and, and he, he saw all these circus animals. Saw the big elephants, saw the... the, the saw, then he watched some of these dressed-up people in, in this circus parade. And at the very end of it, the clown finished it off with the big shoes and the red nose and the face paint. And this boy was so excited. He had now, for the first time in his life, seen a circus. And just about when that clown passed by, pulls out that dollar bill from his pocket, hands it to the clown, and he says, thank you. He turns around, and he starts heading home. And the clown, this one was an honest one, tough to find that one. The clown calls out to the boy, he said, what's this for? And he said, this is for the circus. He said, I'm so glad I've never seen a circus. It was great. And the clown said, son, this is just the circus parade. The circus itself hasn't even started. Follow me. Stick with me. Go through this until we get to the big top and then you will be part of something you've never seen before. Could I say to you, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. But that's not why all he came. He not only wants to give you life, he wants to give you abundant life. But that's more than just an, a day and an hour when you trusted Christ. That is getting with that parade of God's people and just keep marching along. There's going to be rainy days and sunny. There's going to be heart excitement and heartbreaks. That's not the time to get off the path. You just continue on for God and you will realize the abundant life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you this time of year that Jesus came. Lord, uh, yes, it's true. We, we don't know exactly what day Christ was born. But Lord, far more important than the day is the why. And Lord, we've seen that this morning. We say you, we've seen you came to seek and to save that which is lost. Lord, I know that there is many people in this room this morning that can look to the day that they trusted Christ as their Savior. And Lord, if that's true, they're saved. They're on the way to heaven. Maybe there's someone here that has never trusted you as their Savior. That's why Jesus came. Lord, I trust that they'll see their need and that they will do that today. But Lord, you came to do more than just save us. You could have accomplished the work at Calvary in less than a week. Lord, you also came to set a standard by which we live. You came to point out sins that were still part of our life. You came to show us how to fix it by repentance. But then, Lord, you came to provide us abundant life. And if there is one that's saved here this morning, but there is not that abundance, 
if there is not that overflowing joy, then, Lord, somewhere they've got their mind and their heart and their eyes off of Jesus Christ. Lord, they've been disappointed with people. Well, if our joy is fixed to people, we can lose our joy. If our joy is fixed on Jesus Christ, it's eternal joy.